Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. And as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for listening to today's podcast episode. Now, if you're new to the Friday Out in the Garage podcast episodes, a couple things I want you to know. It's called Out in the Garage because I'm standing out in my garage. And when this thing uh, starting and getting content and working on the pursuit of manliness and what that's all about, often I would hear, hey, where's dad? Oh, he's out in the garage. So uh, the operation has since moved inside, but I like to still be outside whenever this is possible. You probably didn't need to know all that, but I want to tell you anyways. Um, but also, we're sponsored on Friday by Darkwater Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. If you put in the discount code NUMBERS21, NUMBERS all capital letters, 21, you'll save 15% off of your order on the Out in the Garage Beard Bundle. You'll see the Out in the Garage a logo on the bottle, the beard balm, and so that'll get you an idea that, yep, I'm in the right spot. While you're there, you're going to see that old Doug has a lot more than just out in the garage beard bundle stuff. So take a look, and um, always good to hear from him, to hear, uh, you know, guys are using the discount code. That means you're listening, and then, uh, you know, and going there as well. So uh, this is the first podcast that I'm recording since the men's retreat. So whatever you have heard in the last couple weeks, and what you'll hear probably maybe in the next couple as well, uh, has already been recorded. There's a number that um, has been recorded. So, But out in the garage, I try to do as close to time as possible just because it's a little bit different walking through Scripture than necessarily having a conversation or talking to you about you know five points on this or whatever. So uh, I want to say thank you to all the guys who came to Indianapolis. Uh, you guys came from near and far, man. And uh, to be able to meet you guys is is a real blessing. Uh, you know, I might introduce myself to you. Hey, what's your name? You tell me your first name, your last name, and immediately I can see it. Like I can see it as you know one of those Instagram likes or someone in our close Facebook group or whatever. And it, I, I say it often, but I, I genuinely mean this. It's unbelievable that the Lord allows us to do stuff like this. And maybe even more unbelievable that he allows us to gather together like that. And if you're part of those uh, worship services the last few years, but I thought this year just hit different. And if you were a part of that, then you know the power of community, the power of all of us coming together. And, uh, you know, we got guys that are very invested in the pursuit of manliness, guys that have no clue who I am or what this is about, um, everything in between, right? So to come together like that, is humbling to be able to shake your hand and, and hear your stories and get to know a little bit more about you. I wish we had more time. I wish we had like a week long uh, event. I don't know if that's practical, but I, but the point of that is because I'd like to get to, uh, to talk to as many guys as possible. And, and one of the things I don't like about gatherings like that, and it is, is it reminds me of Sunday morning because there's so much going on. When you do have a conversation, you mentally, you're kind of thinking, the next thing is in 15 minutes, or I need to make sure I move that cart, or I need to get that guy his shirt, or I, you know, I wish, you know, we had more time just to sit around in camping chairs around a fire and just go, all right, just tell me your story. Because again, when you guys share, when you guys email and all that, it really does help me and give me a different perspective. And hopefully if you did meet me, uh, your takeaway is this, he's just a guy who's trying to follow Jesus. That's it. That, that is, that is it. And so, uh, that's what we're about. That's what we do. And um, we're going to keep doing it. So Numbers chapter 21. I'm only going to look at a portion of this today because I think um, 
it's really, really important, regardless of where you're at in, in your, um, well, I want to say this, your season of life. Whether you're a young man who listens to this, I know we got some young men who listen. Maybe we got some old silverbacks, you know, guys are a little bit longer in their lives that listen to this. And then we got everybody in between there. And so regardless of where you're at, I think there's a couple takeaways we can get from this. I'm going to focus in on Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. And as always, I'd say when you get the opportunity, man, read this for yourself. Read this for yourself. I'm going to have a podcast in a number of weeks where I kind of talk about you know, my whole learning process and some things and uh, from a humble perspective, believe me. But uh, I, I'm not a great theologian. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a great pastor. I'm not a great anything for that matter. I, I'm just a guy as I read this and, and I see what's happening here and I kind of look and go, well, what, is there any correlation to this to my own life? Uh, absolutely. And that's what this podcast on Friday is typically about. If you're looking to plunge the depths of you know all the words and all that, I'm, I'm probably not your guy. I'm definitely not your guy. But I think we can get enough meat here that we can walk away and say, all right, I got something to work on there. Now, just to give you some context, if you're jumping in late in the game on this, we, we just kind of go through the bo- uh, books of the Bible. Numbers 1 through 12 is kind of this... Um, you know, counting and camping. We talked about that in the very beginning. Kind of a, a purifying or a cleansing of the congregation. And as always, complaining. If you are around people, there will be complaining, no matter what your your walk of life. I had an opportunity yesterday to sit down with a good friend of mine who's a pilot for a little bit. And he was talking about his world of, of uh, aviation and pilots and some of the things that they work through and walk through and insecurities and all the things. And I'm kind of smirking because I got another good friend who owns a karate studio. And I'm like, you know what? He says the same thing about what he does. And I say the same thing about what I do. I have a feeling we have a consistent theme going on here. So then you get about numbers 13 to 25. Okay. And that, that's we're kind of towards the end of that right here. You have this wandering period right here. And this is what you might call just a, it's a transitional point in the nation of Israel because the first part, one through chapters one through 12, this is the wandering of the old generation. The old generation, all they did was complain, make threats to Moses, and you just brought us out here just to try to kill us. And then we got this transition of basically getting ready to move on. But to do that, there is a purification that has to take place and essentially waiting for the previous generation to die. If you're reading along in Numbers 20, you have the death of Aaron. That's a big deal. That is a very big deal. The last death, if I remember correctly, before they get to move in there, Moses. Moses is going to get to stand up on a, a hill and he's going to get to see into the promised land, but he doesn't get to go into the promised land. Now, I think there's a little bit of a sadness on Moses' part. There may be a little bit of a relief as well. Like, okay, I'm done. I've led these people for 40 years. They're exhausting. You know, a little bit of a he thinks he's getting retirement package. Not really. But yeah, I guess he is. He gets to be with the Lord. That's that's the best retirement package anyone could get. So, And then what you get is about numbers 26 to 36, you have this new generation, a preparation of going in. And this is where you move into the book of Joshua. And guys love Joshua. If you've been a part of men's ministries at some point, you've talked about Joshua. Joshua and the book of James. Those are like our go-to moves for men's ministries. Nothing wrong with that. Just those are ones that we just kind of get a little more fired up about than others. So uh, where was I at? Um well, Aaron dies. Aaron, I kept thinking Levi. Well, he's connected. Uh, so Aaron dies. It says, from Mount Or, this, this is verse 4, I'm sorry, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the, the people became impatient on the way. Oh, man. I, I can relate to that, right? I get impatient about everything. Verse 5. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you... Br- Stop me if you've heard this before. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe 
the worthless food. So this is why I think this is such a major takeaway. Now, I just said a little bit ago, this is kind of a transitional you know, chunk of, of chapters here. Numbers 13 to 25, we're kind of moving away from the older generation, and we're moving into the new generation, okay? Now, if they, they're, they're, they have no food, they have no water, okay? We loathe the worthless food. What was the food? Well, God was providing for them. He's providing their, their daily bread. He's providing manna for them, and they, they were tired of it. So what happened? The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people died in Israel died. This reminds me of the plagues. This is why this is important. And if you get nothing else from this, could you at least consider this? Man, it is so imperative about how it's so imperative that we are aware of how we talk about the Lord. Here's why. I've said before, and I'll probably say it a number of other times, that I've just met men through the years that I think are more proud of their life before Jesus than they are of their life with Jesus. So the life prior to Jesus, you know, we used to go out, we chased these girls, we went to this place, we scaled this mountain. I mean, they just, I mean, they have this highlight film, a blueprint of how to get into sin. But now they're with Jesus, they kind of become khaki and neutralized and uh, a butter knife essentially rendering themselves ineffective. And that's not at all what the Lord calls you to. Now, He calls you to leave your life of sin, no question about it. But should should it not be a lot more exciting to walk with the Lord? I mean, should we not find ourselves in some perilous situations or opportunities for uh, excitement and a little bit of danger or whatever? Not being reckless, but just because we're walking with the Lord and we're going to be in situations where we see people's hearts turn towards Him. We see people who want nothing to do with us. We're going to see the whole gamut of things that should happen. I mean, read read the New Testament. Man, that was exciting. You walk into your local church, you're like, not exciting. If, it, if, if anything is exciting, it seems like it only happens on the stage. Believe me, it's far, far more important what happens once you walk out of there than the performance on the stage. And I say that as someone who stands on a stage. If we just gather to gather, what a waste of time. But if we gather to do something with it, now we got something. And so you have this generation who complain, complain, and complain. Well, guess what baton the new generation picks up? Complain. And so as men, we have kind of, we talk about raise the standard, okay? So the point of raise the standard is I'm trying to get this right. And I know a number of you are trying to get this right. Now, I think if we pause for a second, we could think of a few other people who are coming behind us, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, um, people you've coached, whatever, along the way. So they're behind you, and they're kind of learning from you. If we have a standard, let's say from a, you know, a, a volume standpoint, we set the volume at 10. That's our Christian volume at 10. We often think that the generation behind us will turn their volume to 10. That's not the case. They turn it to 7. You know, and so we, my point is, we always think they'll at least get to where we're at. No. If you've ever led people, you know that you have a standard or you have a practice within your company. You have a handbook, a rule book, things that you should follow, best practices. And nine out of 10 of those might be hit, but that 10th that one won't be, and it will cause a consequence. What happened here is the nation of Israel, the, the adults who complained and said, you're trying to kill us, you're trying to kill us. There are no graves for our children. The food was better in Egypt. Well, guess what happens to the next generation? They pick up that habit, and it becomes a little bit worse. Here's why I say it becomes a little bit worse. Verse 5 again, And the people spoke against who? God 
and Moses. What you're going to see in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers is typically when the nation of Israel was angry. And you could say, I could see where you'd be frustrated or angry or whatever. Instead of going to God with it, they went to Moses and complained to him, it's your fault. It's you and Aaron's fault, right? And Aaron got sick of that, so he jumped on board and said, hey, we're not so sure Moses is so wonderful either. So they complained to Moses. What did the next generation do? They complained to God and Moses. Not complained to them like, man, we're really hungry. Is there any way we can find some food around here? No, they're basically saying, it's your fault. Why did you bring us out here? It'd been better if we died here. It'd been better if we were just buried in Egypt. They picked up the family recipe. Instead of the family recipe being something that would bring you health and bring you closer to God, the family recipe was something that was destructive. Instead of having a rich family tree, they had a family brush pile. And they just said, well, this is what dad did. This is what granddad did. This is what my grandma did. This is what whomever did, right? Like I watched mom and dad do this. I watched grandma and grandpa do this. I watched my aunts and uncles do this. And so we did it too. And so we're good and angry. I saw them get angry. I I heard them come back in their tent. I heard them complain, man, it's so important that you're mindful of your conversations, especially if you have young children in your home. I'm not saying give on the persona that everything is always good. You have people like that. They're like, man, my parents, I never saw them fight. I never seen any problems with them. Well, my kids will never be able to say that. I never saw you. But there are certain conversations that they don't need to be a part of. As a matter of fact, they don't need to hear. They might, you might need to go out in the garage. You might need to go for a ride with your wife. I don't know. And then there's times it's okay for them to see you work out these problems. You know, it's okay for, for them to, for them to hear some frustrations and stuff. I, I think I don't want my kid to grow up in this euphoric state of like, everything is wonderful. And then the first day at work or at a college campus, or they go to a church where, you know, old dad ain't preaching or whatever and go, wait a minute, everything's not perfect there. No, no, that's just the way it is Now they inherited the family brush pile. And so they continue to add kindling to it. So God said, all right, I'm going to get make this real clear. And so he sends these fiery serpents. Again, it takes me back to when they were slaves in Egypt, the plagues. God said, maybe you didn't hear the story about how I redeemed the nation of Israel. Maybe you didn't hear about the plagues. I bet they did. At some point, I would think they, they would. 40 years, I imagine they heard about it at this point. But what happened was they just felt like we, can, we have the right to do this. I, I would say... Never forget who you're talking to when you're talking to the Lord. Now, I know people like to get cute and like to say, you know, call him whatever, whatever. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Now, I'm, I'm an American. I love America. Uh, I can get a little too American. I know that might rub some people wrong. I, I don't care. But, uh, you know, I have a little bit of curiosity about the royal family. I'm always interested in them. I always find it interesting. Um, it's just a different world to me, man. You know, it's just a different world, and I'm intrigued by some things. And I do know, like when the Queen died last year, I think it was September, somewhere in there, I, the, a station I listened to over there um, was sharing, people were sharing stories for like a week leading up to the funeral because they have like this whole process that has to happen before the funeral. And all these stories, and every single person was talking about when they met the Queen, how nervous they were, how nervous they were before they spoke to the Queen. Now, this lady's what, five, five foot nothing, I don't know, a little old lady. But in that world, in that regal state if you will that was a really big deal for them and they were nervous and they had to remember to i don't know if you curtsy tip your hat take your hat off i don't know what all goes into it but i do know there is a protocol and you're coached on the protocol before you met the queen and every single person said once i met her like my nerves kind of went away because she was very kind and you know our god is the same way and he is god 
Okay, he is the eternal God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. And once you meet him, and once you know him, and once you've come to him through Jesus, you realize you are adopted into the family of God. But never forget who you're speaking to. Never forget whose presence you are always living under. We are to have a healthy and holy fear of our God. These people didn't have it. I've met plenty of people who don't have it. They have no problem saying something brazen about God or something arrogant about arrogant about God. I've even seen people that would call themselves Christians say some things, and I'm like, ooh, be careful. Be careful to never forget who you're speaking to. In verse 7, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Oh, we have sinned. And why did nobody say that before when they started grumbling about food? Well, there were no snakes. And said to Moses, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Moses got to be one of the most gracious human beings that has ever walked this earth. Have you ever heard a prayer request from somebody and thought, I don't think I got it in me. It's just one of those things, again, we're doing this again. Same problem, same issue, same obstacle. And you think, are we really going to do this again? Not me, but I've heard of other people who'd say, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I, I hear that prayer request and think, again? We're doing this again? Moses is living this. A first-hand account from this. If there's anyone who ever could have had a podcast to tell you some stories, I bet it's Moses. He might just be sitting somewhere up in heaven just going, and another thing, right? I mean, he just has all these stories, so he does. In verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he look, when he sees it, forgive me, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, when I read this, couple things one he says uh, you make the bronze serpent and set it on a pole or some translations would say a standard so there's a little craftsmanship going to go into this well Aaron died he was the guy that whittled a calf in no time out of some toe rings and earrings and so he figured out how to do that Moses you're going to make something here so while Moses is making this thing people are dying so you got that so Moses I don't know I don't know if we ever see here the size of this thing or anything. I don't think we do, but uh, the point was when it was fashioned, when you look to it, you will live. And then, so the biting didn't stop. You were still getting bit. And yet, what did you have to do? Look to it. So where's Moses? Where's the staff? Where's the standard? Where's the serpent? We're looking to that. And when I look to the serpent, then I would be healed. The bite was still there. People get nipped and bit and you know, and uh, reminds me of John chapter twelve verse thirty-two. When I am high and lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Listen, brother, we're still getting bit. We're still getting bit by these little moments of sin. We've said before, you know, growth as a believer takes months. Sin takes moments. You you can sin before this episode's over and feel like. Well, I guess I'm the same old, you know, wretched guy I was before. Not at all. You are redeemed, but you are being sanctified every moment. And so we pursue obedience. We don't pursue the flesh. The flesh, we're in a constant battle for the flesh. I had a good buddy uh, that was at the retreat 
Uh, he rode 4,919 miles on his motorcycle to get to the retreat. Now, that is some want to, okay? He asked me a couple questions before he left on Saturday to head back home. And I'm probably going to botch these questions up, but it was something like, how do you essentially die to yourself and how do you take up your cross every day? I said, well, we're going to have to work on that. That's a, that's a hard answer. Here, here's the short answer. It's every day. It's every moment of every day. Every moment of every day, I have to die to the flesh and say, nope. Hey, look over there. Nope. Hey, why don't you click on that? Nope. Hey, you ought to tell that guy that. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like you're constantly in this. No. I, if the more I pursue God's righteousness and his holiness and live in a reverence towards him, remember, don't forget who you're talking to, the easier it becomes, but it's still a challenge. We're still having moments where we're getting bit. We still live in a fallen world. We still live in a world where, though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, boy, it sure looks like flesh and blood. It feels like flesh and blood. And I see flesh and blood attacking flesh and blood. But what we need to do is look to Jesus. He says, when I'm high and lifted up, I draw men to myself. And so he says, when you look at it, you shall live. The only way we're getting off this planet successfully is looking to Jesus. Not just looking at him. Not just knowing his name, not just knowing the books where he shows up the most or a few quips of something he said that we can use when we're in a conversation or we can work into a prayer, but we look to Jesus as our Messiah, as our Savior, the one who has redeemed us, the one who is interceding on you and I's behalf right now as we're having this conversation, actively interceding on our behalf, the one who will return again someday the one who will sh- separate, you know, the wheat and the chaff, right? Like he, like there's going to come a point where God's going to say, "That's it, no more, no further." And so, while we live in the time of grace, while we live in the opportunity to respond to the invitation to surrender our will, our life to Christ Jesus, we should probably do it. We should definitely do it. We should consider that. And some of y'all have done that, and you're wondering why you still get bit. Well, we live in a fallen world, and there's going to be bites. Some of those are annoying. Some of those can be incredibly damaging. But I'm going to tell you what, we trust that every time we get bit, we can look to Jesus. And the the consequence of that bite isn't what it would be apart from Christ. Some of you guys know the week of the retreat, uh, we had we had this tree, massive tree, and if you've been to our campus, guys would put hammocks in it. Kids would climb up in it. You know, it's just this great, great mulberry tree. I think it's called. I don't. I'm not a tree guy, but um, it's big, and I think it got hit by lightning, so it split right down the middle. And so we saw that, and and, and there was times where you're like, it's, it's not good. And uh, so we said we need to get that cut down. Well, our tree guys, we couldn't get till the week after the retreat, which is supposed to be this week. They have failed to show up yet. Maybe they'll show up. Who knows? But uh, so we had um, a, a major, I'm going to call it a branch, but it's basically a tree, fall down and almost hit the church on Monday night. What an inconvenience the week we're supposed to have a retreat. We had five, six, seven guys come out there, cut it up, stack up wood. We're like, hey, we'll burn it out for the retreat. That worked out pretty well. Well, the more we looked at it, we said, mm, that ain't good. Now we got a different problem. So we had it, um, one of our, the lady volunteers at our church, her dad came out and cut a branch and cut it up and got it, you know, where it was hanging over the fire pit. We said, man, we can't have that over the fire pit where we're going to have, you know, 40, 50 guys at a time sitting around here. So he cut it up. Okay, now we got something. Well, uh, later on that day, a whole bunch of guys come out, and these are some burly men, and uh, our worship pastor's father-in-law climbed up in that tree, and he's cutting it. Well, it kicked back at him, and it threw him out of that tree like I've never seen a man thrown out of a tree. And he stumbled down. He was on his head. He rolled out. And uh, he actually rolled down 
the earth that had come up on Monday, which is about three feet, probably two, three feet up, which might have saved his spine from being damaged or his back. Who knows? But the guy had a collarbone surgery yesterday. He's got four cracked ribs, had a hole in his head, stapled stitch, and that's it. I mean, he's a burly man. Why do I tell you all that? Because I was frustrated, man. I was like, this guy's doing this one in a hurry because we have a retreat. And it felt like, I felt like to a degree, this is my, this is on me. This is on me because we have this thing going on. And so some more guys stay and cut. And every time I look at that tree, I'm like, I can't stand looking at that, whatever's left of it. I can't, I, you know, and you guys that come to the retreat already know about it. But then on Saturday, this guy, Ryan from Arizona, I gave the invitation to, uh, hey, man, if you guys are ready. The water's ready, the whole nine. Oh, Ryan, Ryan's a big boy. He come walking down that aisle, smile on his face, towel in his hand, and said, I'm ready. And I thought, well, normally I bring him up and say, hey, this is Ryan or whatever. I said, let's go, man. I'll tell you what, no question about it. To me, that was that was the highlight. And, and everybody who was involved in that blasted tree would say the same thing. I think it was worth it. I think the guy that came out of that tree would say, if one person came to Jesus, and they didn't come to Jesus because of a tree, but you see all the bites that were happening leading up to that? Some of those bites were annoying. Some of those bites were bigger than others. But those bites will never destroy us. Because in Christ, he has the victory. And our eternity is secured. And we get to welcome another brother into the family of God on that. All the things that happen, you're thinking, man, is this worth it? I remember telling Anthony, we're never doing one of these again. This whole week has been just one nightmare problem after another. I'm sick of getting bit. I wish I'd have said I was sick of getting bit. I said, I'm just sick of it. And then Ryan comes forward with a towel in his hand. His son gets to witness his dad being buried with Christ, raised to walk in a new life. I say, oh, we're doing that again. Right? That's how that works, man. Guys, I appreciate y'all listening to this. I appreciate you guys that share the show, uh, who listen on Fridays. I know this is different than some other podcast formats. We just believe we got to get in the Word. We get in the Word. We get better equipped. We get equipped. We build better men together. And we're all, we're all better for it. Amen? So thanks for listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.